Hello, hello, and welcome back to DFT's Dungeon. My name is Daniel Terry, and you are listening to the season two finale of this podcast. Season finales are always scary for me because I try really hard to make these bigger and better than the rest of the episode so that people have something that they can chew on while I'm sort of going into hibernation for a few weeks to regroup and get some more fresh ideas for new episodes for the next season. But I think you guys are going to like this one. And I'm sure I've somewhat revealed my hand at this point that the last episode of every season, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about a Zayo album and, and tell you guys what it meant to me. And last year I did that. I talked to Scott Mellinger of Zayo about the album Liberate and how that album was very instrumental to me in understanding my own issues with anxiety and panic. And that same anxiety that I had back then when I was a kid and even still have now has really come close to ending me a few times over the years. And in the spirit of that, I wanted to talk about a Zayo record that was equally instrumental in sort of bringing me back from the brink. And that album is The Well-Intentioned Virus from 2016. And I had the pleasure on this episode to be able to call up Daniel Wyant of Zayo to discuss some of my favorite songs on this record. And while I have my own story to tell about The Well-Intentioned Virus... It's not a long enough story to sustain a whole episode, and I was kind of torn between just talking about myself for an hour or spending more time talking about the actual songs themselves. So what I decided to do was a little bit of both and a little bit of neither. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell my story about the well-intentioned virus really quick, and then I'll transition into my conversation with Daniel Wyant as he and I will discuss our thoughts and feelings about some of my favorite songs on the album. This is my story. In my Tony Danza tap dance extravaganza episode I posted earlier this season, I talked about how I used to be a cable installer, and it was one of the hardest transitions that I had made in my life up to that point because I had never worked like a really physical job like that before, and it was really hard, thankless work, and it left me feeling physically and mentally exhausted every single night driving home. But the first few months that I did the job, things were actually looking pretty good for me and my wife because we were both working at the time and we both had two full-time incomes. So even though the work was really difficult, I didn't have the stress of worrying if I was going to be able to make a mortgage payment every month or not. But as things typically go with me, within the first three months of us both working and we had just bought a house and everything... My wife was unexpectedly let go from her job, which basically cut our income completely in half. And honestly, we never really recovered from that. Even though she actively looked for work, it was really, really hard to find anything that matched anywhere close to her previous income, which left me as the sole provider for both of us. And it was like that for the next several years. 
And in 2014, we had our first child, and this brought me a lot of joy, but on the work side of things, I kind of started feeling like my soul was slowly drifting away from me. And what I mean by that is I've always been really obsessed with music. Like, no, really, go back and listen to all the podcasts I've done in the past seven years. I mean, like, really obsessed with music. I had played in several bands and recorded a full-length album and played, like, a billion shows. And music was my entire life. Just listening to it, talking about it, reviewing it, and even making music of my own. But as I got older, my life transitioned slowly away from being able to do most of those things. And by the beginning of 2015, I hadn't played in a band in almost eight years. And I even lost my ability to do those like really cool, harsh screams that I liked doing because I didn't have an outlet to do them. And you know how it goes, you get older. I lost contact with a lot of my friends over the years. And my wife and I were both in crippling student loan debt. And we'd been living off of my sole income of $12 an hour for multiple years. And we also had our first child to support and if you've never done cable work before, let me tell you that it is one of the most thankless jobs that you could work. Since I'd been at the company for a few years, I went from being a disconnect tech to a cable installer to being a troubleshooting technician. And what that means is that every day I would wake up, get in my work van, drive to people's houses and try to fix their TV and internet, and these people were already angry and they would yell at me and verbally harass me while I was actively trying to fix their problems. And I would do this for like 15 hours. And sometimes it was seven days a week. We were always short staffed because the job sucked, right? So like people would quit and then you just have to work for two or three weeks straight with no days off. And even though I was doing that and I was raking in some overtime, the bills were still behind the food money was tight, gas money was tight, and worst of all, I didn't have anything going on outside of work because work was all-encompassing. And it's hard to explain what that does to a person whose entire previous life was based on creative outlets and interactions with other people, like real people, not people that are like customers that just yell at you. And my entire life was work to the point where I just didn't have time to do anything but survive because I just felt this overwhelming responsibility as the sole provider for my household. And then you couple that with the crippling anxiety and fear of any interaction I had. And before long, I kind of just turned into this soulless husk. Just one of those people that was just dead behind the eyes. And eventually things got so bad that I was willing to do anything to provide for my family. And I started thinking some dark thoughts. For instance, I remember thinking that if I were to be involved in a workplace accident of some kind and die, then maybe my family could live comfortably off the life insurance money that they could get from my employer, which is really fucked up. And it was at that point that I called somebody and I told them that I was having suicidal thoughts and that I needed help. And with the help of some good friends, I eventually checked myself in 
and I was put under observation. And after a couple of really distressing days for me and my wife, I was declared safe enough mentally to return home. And we made accommodations at my work after that to get me out of the field and maybe have me go do some office work because I just needed to remove myself from the situations that were causing these issues. And I started seeing a counselor every week to talk through some of them. And how this relates to Zao and the well-intentioned virus is that one of the exercises that my counselor kept asking me to do every week was to make a list of everything that I was looking forward to in the upcoming weeks, months, years. And I struggled really hard with that at first because every week she needed a list. And I think most people would write down something like birthdays or big social events that they were looking forward to. And I get it. It was just trying to give people small, obtainable goals and reasons for maybe wanting to stick around for a while. Because if you, if you wait long enough, good things eventually happen, right? But I guess that just depends on your perspective. But I didn't write anything down like that. I wrote down something that I kind of didn't set out to write down. But the only thing I ended up putting on those lists were records. Like records that were coming out from bands that I like. And that I just wanted to hear at least once. And at first, this was kind of half-hearted. But here's the thing. It's no secret to any of you guys listening who my favorite band is. But the thing is, is that Zayo hadn't put out a record in over five years. So in my mind, they were just like a band that I, I loved, but they were just gone. But when I was cruising around the internet one day at the office, I found this huge ray of sunshine in the form of an absolutely brutal and visceral new Zayo song called Xenophobe. I must have listened to it a hundred times the first day I heard it. And it wasn't even about like what the lyrics were or what the song was about. It was just the fact that it existed at all in the modern day. It was Zayo and it was new. And that is all that mattered to me at the time. And so when I went back to talk to my counselor that week, I didn't want to talk to her about how my week went. I only wanted to talk to this poor woman about Zayo and how much that band had meant to me over the years and that there was a possibility that they were going to put out a new album. Like, yeah, the new song, it was just going to be like a two-song EP, right? Uh, but I don't know. I just, I was like, I, I don't think they'll do that. I think, I think they're going to put an album out. And, you know, this, this song might just be the tip of the iceberg. And I remember her telling me, like, this is the most optimistic I have ever seen you. And it seems like talking about music makes you really happy. Have you ever considered finding an outlet for that? And is there a way that maybe you could like carve some time out each week to talk about music with other people? Like, I think, I think that might be something that would be good for you to try.
And I don't think I need to tell you guys the rest of this story, but the short version is that I started a podcast at the tail end of 2016 called Discography Discussion, and for the next six years, I carved out that time every week to talk about music. And even whenever I quit that podcast and started this podcast almost a year ago now, which is crazy to think that it's already been that long, my life as I know it has not been the same since then. And I owe so much of that spark to Zayo and that song and that album that followed it a year later. And while I don't want this to be some cheesy, your music saved me kind of story, like I will say this. There aren't a lot of bands out there that can inspire people the way that Zayo does. And they are the most humble and genuine people in the world. And I never imagined that eight years later, I'd be in a position to not only share my love for this album with you guys, but to do it with one of the people who created it. And I think that is really fucking cool. So that's enough out of me. Let's get to the part of the podcast that you guys all clicked on to hear. This is my conversation with Daniel Wyan of Zeo talking about a handful of my favorite songs on the well-intentioned virus. All the commitment and work, you know, Oh yeah, that's funny. That's actually part of how I was how I lost weight. I lost nice. I lost probably sixty something pounds last year, and I didn't exercise or <laughs> anything. I just basically stopped eating. I started doing this like one meal a day diet, and it was all out of laziness because I was like, "What is what is a way that I can lose weight <laughs> without it like yeah. without having to do anything?" You know? Yeah, I kind of I don't eat much during the day during the week i work mainly like 10 to like 10 in the morning to three or four so it's like right through that weird lunch time and it's like too early to eat lunch at 10 and you know what i mean too late at four or whatever so through the week i do pretty good i have like zero metabolism so yeah just likes to stick with you yep yeah I had to go through a really weird adjustment period there where like i thought the first two weeks i was going to do it i thought i was going to die i was like calling my wife and I was like this is a stupid idea because like I called my doctor ahead of time I was like is this a good idea and he's like dude a guy your size you're not gonna have any problems for a while if you if you stopped eating tomorrow and didn't eat anything for like you know a week or something as long as you're drinking water like you'll be fine in between awake and virus is when I kind of moved out of the town I've lived in for a long time my wife and I got a house she I lived in Greensburg and she lived in Pittsburgh we both were like really close to work, so on and so forth. So we got a house that was kind of like in the middle, but um, I do really, really poorly with change. It like just uh, like exacerbates my anxiety really bad. So I'd like a couple rough years. I'm not, it takes me a long time to like readjust, you know? And uh, I guess yeah. it's all obviously like a big change and so on and so forth. But it was also the first time in my life where I was just, I didn't necessarily, uh, just started getting some like clarity on things i can't really explain it but i in between those times i always did keep writing uh not like necessarily every day or whatever but things you know just would kind of like strike you or 
uh, and wake up in the morning with some ideas and I would continue to pen stuff. But like a majority of virus was written like after I got married, you know what I mean? So like in between that time up until probably around when my daughter was born, which was 2013 and then didn't do much of anything. Just kind of like adjusting to all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the virus was also the first thing I came back and did musically at all in a long time. That was a fun one. And that was also like the first, it was the beginning of like kind of how we operate now, if that makes any sense. Um, Just with the label, how we write the pacing of the band, all that kind of stuff. I don't know what happened in between there. There was no like specific events or deals where I think that anything, you know, there's no catalyst to it all, but everyone was obviously, I feel like, ready to do something again, and uh, so on and so forth. And it kind of all started because Marty found a bunch of shirts in his garage, <laughs> and then we sold them, and then we used that money just for fun to do the Xenophobe seven inch, right? And then, and then it was the response from that, and you know, Scott had some stuff written, and that's where that all came from. But I also think that. You know, Awake was kind of a sleeper record, I guess. You know what I mean? Not a lot. Yeah. Never never toured on it, never like pushed it much or whatever. So I kind of, I think like Virus and that was the first time to come back and, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it's interesting that it starts with finding a box of shirts. You know what yeah. I mean? And, yeah. and it being like, you know, because I would always, whenever my band broke up, I, I was very much like, you know, a month of your band not doing anything. You just assume that, okay, <laughs> it's over. Everybody, nobody cares anymore. It's uh, it's it's over. It's finished. And then um, you put a couple of old shirts a few years later online and then everybody snatches them up and you're like, oh, <laughs> okay, well, you know, maybe... <laughs> Maybe now yeah. that I'm not under the same constraints I was before, if you guys just want music, may- maybe we could do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I guess to really break it down simply is I got a lot healthier, like in between like self-medicating, you know, type of stuff, you know, kind of like cruising through my th- kind of thirties. I kind of grew up with that mindset of like, I would probably be dead at a young age and you know what I mean? Type of yeah. thing. Like, and then you get older and then you're like, well, now I'm here and I don't have like a plan, you know, and that just kind of doesn't help, you know, if you're kind of like self-medicating or escaping or whatever, you know, it, it may be. And partially that's like always dealing with an anxiety and social anxiety and bad with change and so on and so forth. And uh, I guess that was one of the things is I like, you know, getting into like a healthier, whatever, like getting married and stuff. And you know what I mean? Starting to have some like self-value and more like healthy, whatever. then what's cool is I came back I'd had a better grip on a lot of things and was able to uh, I feel like the virus on just uh, approach at least my role and everything with more clarity and so on and so forth and uh, I'd had a bunch of random stuff I'd written for the past whatever you know what I mean a couple yeah. of years so and then the songs were I think because there was that break kind of like everyone was like recharged and because of the xenophobe we kind of like yeah, kind of get 
you know, get some stuff like that back on virus, some of the more like you know, dissonant piercing stuff. And then uh, I was ready to, you know, talk about some weird uh, stuff. And also, and I don't mean this for whatever, but that was kind of in between awake and virus is also too when I was like kind of 110% sure that like I, you know, was, wasn't a Christian anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that definite, definitive, whatever. So then I believe that a virus was approached in that aspect too. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. It's funny. It's something that you said there earlier about going through your thirties and how it's like a lot of self-medication. I called it surviving. You yeah, know, I mean, you get into this like, cause I grew up with anxiety too. And there's a certain coping mechanism to that you know, of like living in constant fear that, you know, either you're going to, you're going to shut down, you know, or, you know, because you're, you're expected to kind of live your life a certain way, you'd right? Like the way everybody else is living, you know, and, and people are, people are, are working and I never felt that way. I always felt like I was just kind of trying to make my way through the day between attacks, between shutting down, yeah. between being afraid of, you know, what people were going to say to me, how people were going to interact with me. And for me too, especially, it was very much like, I don't think it's been until probably the past year or two for me that I've started to feel like, okay, I, I've kind of gotten past surviving and now I'm, I'm able to kind yeah. of look at, at, at life the way that other people, <laughs> you know, kind of look at it. Yeah. I, I would honestly say, I mean, it's, I guess a bit off topic, but I was just talking to a friend the other day that, I'll be, I'll be 46 soon. And it probably was just two years ago or so that I feel like for the first time in my life, I have some like organic happiness, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And just a little bit of like peace with everything that came prior. And I don't know, you know, but it took a long time, you know, like 44 years of being alive to finally be like, I kind of get it a little bit, you know what I mean? But yeah, the same thing. And but yeah, it was like, you know, drink because you have anxiety and then you get rebound anxiety. And then, you know, you get like depressed because I was just drinking to get rid of my, you know what I mean? And it was like, yeah. I called it the Trinity. It was like the cycle of like anger, depression, and anxiety. Like I would get like anxious until I'd be frustrated and then I would get angry. And then, you know, you would do something stupid. I don't mean like anything insane, but just, you know what I mean? Uh, like kind of snap at somebody or something. And then I would get depressed that I was like, you know, uh, acting, you know what I mean? And then it just like constantly fed itself or a Boris or something, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, but then, you know, and that's all the stuff that works is the stuff that sounds stupid. Like when you're in it, you know what I mean? It's oh like, yeah. And it's a, you know, but yeah, so anyway, the virus was the last record we did when it was like Tree Lady. So it was cool because it was like really close to go down and record at the time. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, like probably like 20 minutes away or something. Oh, it's not that far still. I would also say that that was the first record where the engineer, Dave Heideck, that was working with us, started working with me on like, like phrasing and things like that. You know what I mean? And that was cool too because, you know, for the first time he was kind of like pushing me to try different things and i also started doing stuff for the first time where i would do like two or three parts for a part uh mm -hmm. you know what i mean like might be the same lyrics but arranged differently or like extra things or 
what have you. And uh, it was funny because I the first time I recorded Virus, it was like real minimal. And then I had to, I went back and probably had to double the, the lyrics and the, the vocals and everything. But I also wanted to start over on that record too. It was just nice to be like, there was no themes and it was just kind of like, a couple songs that were just like weird and then a couple like really serious ones or like based on like serious kind of like events or whatever. I remember too, I had to get, I talked to my brother and my wife because there's songs about them on the record, making sure that kind of like, it was weird to be like, I wrote this song about this situation and you can read it. And it's like, is it okay to like talk about this stuff? And they were both like, sure. You know right. what I mean? So it also has that, those aspects of, I guess like, that weird kind of like dark sincerity, you know what I mean? Sincerity yeah. type of whatever, but also just uh, some fun. And then the last song was my like kind of, uh, that was probably the longest one I worked on. So it was my like kind of goodbye song too. But I also had a lot of time to work on it. And that's what I mean. It was uh, planned out, worked on, kind of like really like nurtured. It was probably for the you know first time I guess gave a record that much kind of like care and attention. Fear is what keeps us here was what have you, but uh, that was also to where like some of the, I was doing, I had all the vocals worked out, but we didn't like, I don't know, you know what I mean? We just kind of went in there and busted that record out. But Right, yeah. You know. That was kind of the theme of that record, right? It's just like yeah, spontaneous, you know, yep. creation, yep. yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to go track by track just because that format is how you end up with like a three hour podcast. And <laughs> one of the songs that I, that I want to jump into is literally no pun intended is haunting pools. What is, the, what is the story behind that song? What is the inspiration there? I can come back on another time and talk about the other ones, but there's been a few times in my life where I got just really sick. Like, you know, just kind of like uh, every couple of years, it seems like you get the flu or something, but there's like five or six times in my life where I got really sick and had really um, kind of like vivid, lucid, like fever dreams. And they were all like weird scenarios like this. And there's a, I can, there's not Zayo songs about it, but there's a couple other, but haunting pools I had in, uh, it was when I lived, it was like the house, first house me and my wife had together. But we, it was like just odd because we lived across the street from this cemetery, but it was this sprawling, like massive, you know, like, uh, I think there's tombstones from the 1800s in it, but it's, I mean, it's just like hundreds of yards. Uh, maybe like anyway uh i had all it was just kind of a weird place to live but anyway i had a dream and i feel like all dreams start in the middle you know you don't kind of know how you got there or whatever but i was in this house and there were these like kind of like disembodied voices and they were explaining to me how hauntings work and what it was was when, whenever there's like a certain type of death or like a terrible incident and someone passes away in the area where it happened, it creates a pool. And 
the kind of more the worse the incident the deeper the pool so they're explaining to me i'm just in this house and i can see them like i could see the pools and they were just like kind of just like randomly on the floor here and there and they were like uh different diameters and so on and so forth and they told me to get into one kind of like step down into it and as i stepped into it a little bit it's like a haunting experience I guess what sounds odd because you're already talking to two disembodied voices, but like ghost type presence type stuff. And they explained to me that the deeper you go into the, like, and you can't see them, like, you know, normally, I guess. And you don't realize you're sinking into them. But what it is, is the deeper you sink into them, the more intense the haunting is. And then they told me that if you ever went in so deep that, your head went under, you could never come back out. And then at the end of the dream, they just kept saying, it was broken when we got here. You know, we didn't break it. It was broken when we got, it was like really weird. And I woke up and was like, it's one of those dreams where you're like, I'm so happy I was dreaming. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, a lot of my dreams are like that, but I can rem remember it vividly. And I thought it was such a weird concept you know what i mean so i never yeah. i've seen so much stuff it's possible there's some subconscious slip in somewhere but but it stuck with me enough that when i had written it i wrote down like haunting pools you know like disembodied voices slash tongues kind of like you know it was broken oh it was broken when we found it we found it like that is what they were saying yeah and then so it was just all those notes and then when I heard that, like, morbid, like, kind of that morbid angel riff, I was just like, this is like spooky, kind of. And you know what I mean? I was like, I have these like, kind of like ideas sketched down about that. So that was a fun one. I like playing it live a lot, too. It's just like yeah. a really kind of like swinging, you know, fast picked melodic riff. I don't know. It definitely, the, I hear the morbid angel like very like very much on that song and what's interesting about it to me is that number one super creepy because like the knowledge that like you were i don't say in contact but like in very close proximity to a graveyard <laughs> you know while having that having that dream it was weird because uh, i never had i don't give any a ton of weight to the story it was just weird and my my kids are eight and ten and they love like to for me to like retail stories of to them of things they did when they were little and mm -hmm. kind of can't remember even if it's like three or four but the other weird story from that house was around the time my daughter was born and she was like little like two or three my wife still went out of town all the time uh, for work and we were like upstairs just like hanging out the one time and we were talking and she like looked at the doorway like she was facing away from it and like you know looked kind of like something captured her attention and i said what is it and she's like, oh, nothing. There's just a man standing in the doorway. And, you know, I like <laughs> yeah. looked over and there's nobody there, obviously. And she didn't seem scared or like alarmed, you know. And uh, she just kind of like, went back to talking. But then it happened a few more times. And it was like always when my wife was out of town. And then the third time it happened, I actually was like 
like freaked out to look. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like she'd be like, oh, he's back again. He's nice. He just stands there. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah. I don't, I don't like this. Yeah. You know, and it's like, uh, and that was the uh, same house. You know what I mean? So I don't even know if it's ghosts or just some sort of like the, just like the uh, whatever of all those, you know, kind of like bodies or something, you know, some sort of radio frequency or something. You know what I mean? Just Yeah. Uh, I know we had a, uh, in the basement, I remember I would stand there sometimes and there was like the road and I was like, I'm pretty much at the same level of, as coffins. You know what I mean? If I would right. just keep walking straight, it would get weird. If I could like walk through the wall. But I'm like, what's crazy about the haunting pools thing is like, I didn't even really write, you know what I mean? It was just kind of like woke up and was just like, and then I would sit around and think like, is that maybe that, is that weird? Is that maybe how it works or something? I don't know. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, yeah. Because there's a lot of like things tied to you know to specific places or areas or uh, you know yeah know. definitely it's cool and that's what I was talking about earlier with the with the sort of freshness is to have a weird song like that and it be like very thought provoking but like not necessarily something that makes me question my existence you know what I mean or yeah, yeah. Or, or has you know but it's just one of those like I because I remember the first time I listened to it at first it was all I was just like riffs like oh my god this is you know this is so cool um but you know when I started reading the lyrics I was like I was like man I, I called up my friend buddy and I was like hey I was like this song I was like we started we were looking online to see if there was a doom map called haunting pools because you know like the doom games they would have yeah, yeah, they would yeah. Have stuff like you know spawning vats or you know um oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. under halls and, and that sort of thing and i was, I was like man and if there's not a doom map called haunting pools i'm probably gonna have to make one you know <laughs> just uh <laughs> see if i can convert the the convert the audio file to midi and it'd be haunting pool you know um but yeah that that was the first one of the first songs that i was drawn to because i was like this is cool this is like the kind of creepy shit that I like to sit there and think about, you know? And um, yeah, I mean, at the very end, the, the pulled by the tide one, one can't come out, you know? Yeah. That oh. was the, that was the weird part. You know, it was the, yeah. And I feel like it was something, I mean, there are aspects I don't remember, but yeah, the whole like going under, and then it's like, it, even like having the dream that freaked me out, you know, it's like, can't. And then it's like, just be careful. To don't step in any invisible things you can't see you know? <laughs> one more thing to worry about you know <laughs> yeah it's like all right enjoy your next dream yeah like. yeah <laughs> the other song that stands out to me i like these 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 weird ones the sun orbits around flat earth witch trials With a title like that, it is so like I'm trying to think of the word for it's just there's so much stuff within just the song yeah. title where it's like yeah we're gonna go yeah we're gonna go with flat Earth witch trials and the sun's orbiting around those two things that don't think that it orbits around them. Those were all. I, what's interesting about all those things is those were all things at one point in time that were the norm and the people that kind of like questioned those like. Back then, it was like death or, you know what I mean? Like, things like that. And just the kind of like, more so not even the actual event, but just, I guess, 
and this is like how I like to write. So it's not necessarily about those really specific things. It's just the, I like the kind of like scary reality of like how culture was at those times. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, especially the witch that's always been, you know what I mean? I just think that was like, at least on the soil of like, you know, the United States, one of the craziest kind of like accepted, you know, actions in society. Do you know what I mean? That's the stuff that like scares me that some weird form of that will come back, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. You know, but just so it, it started with witch trials, but then I was just trying to think of other things that were like, I'm trying to think if it was the the flat earth or the sun orbit thing. And it just goes through all those tropes of like those old, like, hey, everybody wants to believe this. And now, you know what I mean? But not even, I don't know, it's not even, I guess that's kind of a shallow thing to make, whatever, but it's more so, I guess, about everyone at some point in time believing, you know, the majority believing something that obviously wasn't real or based in reality. And then that's like unsettles me a lot. I guess it's more of a social commentary based off of like past things that were accepted as how things were primarily too. I've been like the witch trial stuff. I've always been trying to write something cool but nothing has ever been i don't know you know uh anything i felt you know what i mean yeah yeah well i think what's interesting about this concept though is that i just got done doing a um a deep every now and again i go down this like jonestown people's temple rabbit hole and uh so i'm just coming off of that so forgive me but the 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 thing is is that there there is kind of this idea that like oh people were stupid in the past like people believed dumb things and now that we're smarter we're not going to believe dumb things anymore but like what what was interesting about kind of listening to this song this week was i was kind of like yes obviously it is crazy those old things that the general knowledge of the day that this thing that wasn't true was in fact true i think what what is kind of scary or terrifying about it really is that I'm more on the lookout these days for like, what is the new bad thing that we all believe? Yeah, that's kind of, I guess, it's funny because as you were talking, I was thinking like, yeah, part of it is like, yeah, it's not specifically about those things, just kind of like, hey, here's examples of kind of like yeah, these things. But yes, what is the modern version? What is the thing in a hundred years we'll look back and be like, man, people, you know, lost their lives over this or that. And it ended up being like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, just some sort of, you know, misinterpretation or what have you of something. And, but yeah, what is, what's happening right now? That's the, you know what I mean? And I'm sure there's something, and I guess, you know, you can never see it when you're in the middle of it, you know? Right. Yeah. You can only, you're too close to it, but yeah, that's the the way I had tied that in with the Jonestown thing is I was arguing with somebody at work about it, not arguing, but just having a, I had a very strong opinion about it and they had a very strong opinion about it. And uh, they were like, Oh yeah. You know, something like that with like the cults and stuff like that. Nothing like that, you know, that happened with that, with the Jonestown stuff, nothing like that could ever happen again. And I was like, Oh no, dude, it could totally happen again. Like human behavior has been nothing but repeating of specific actions with different circumstances. Oh yeah. That's why that movie, the myth, the, well, I read the book too, with the mist used to always, the tension in the supermarket and all that. Uh, it, was, it was actually like hard for me to watch that movie because I just like pick that, you know what I mean? But it's like a perfect example of like, you know, just this like event causing people to get kind of like into these archaic, you know, whatever. How yeah. easily I feel you can go back to that, you know, 
it's kind of like superstitious kind of like frenzy type of stuff i guess yeah like how everybody will sort of go from like being civilized you know th there's this sort of like society has rules there's a construct for how we, we're supposed to act and almost every situation you know that that we've come up with but then you know something in the equation changes and then suddenly people revert back to this more i guess primal <laughs> type yeah. of type of survival behavior a lizard brain they call it you know it's like a yep. <laughs> I'm going to go through two more. So basically with a well-intentioned virus, when I first heard the song, like it's pretty obvious, I think to a certain degree, what it's about. whether it's religious people that truly believe, you know what I mean? Are, are, are true believers in what their, in what their ideals are. And when they are imparting those beliefs to somebody, you know, a lot of the time it is out of genuine concern. Right. But what ends up happening is when people don't, you know, comply or they, they don't, they don't necessarily agree with, you know, agree with, no. with your perspective on it how they eventually that that genuine concern can because it's misguided can lead to a place where it didn't come from you know suddenly somebody's angry at you or they're exclusionary of you or you know they treat you differently than than they treat other people and in certain cases even try to eradicate you know people like you and it, it, you know it's it's not just like a a I, I never took it as like a religion bashing thing uh no. as much as just people in general like will you know and especially like we see it now even more with politics right like um people really really believe what they believe and like it's good you know what i mean it's it's good to have your own perspective and and have your own way of seeing the world uh, i think that's good for for everyone but um whenever it starts turning into something like it's almost like it can only end that way with conflict and i think that's where the virus part of it comes in but you know where it's like it's well intentioned but it's still a virus it's it's still something that's yeah. gonna that's going to eradicate you and I, I think, too, what's hard is like when people, whether it be whatever, are trying to do something where they feel like they're helping or doing something positive. It's also like I feel like partially how their ego ties into it, if that makes any sense, as far as like taking things personally. You know what I mean? If you, you know, like you were saying, if you don't agree, they take that as like a personal attack on them as opposed to just like simply whatever. It's so hard to explain. That's why I like the like observed observer thing with the label, just because it's like if I ever had to really pull back and say what a lot of like Zayo songs are about, it's kind of just like observing, you know, and I, I don't necessarily always have a point to make. You yeah. know what I mean? As far as saying like this song is about this and I'm trying to like drive this home. It's just like these like observations, you know what I mean? Like, like man, those people are like, when I say those people, I don't even mean specific people. It's just, it'll be stuff where I'm like sitting out, some, like I was saying, or watching television and you're, you know what I mean? Or just like combing through content wherever and you're just like picking up on think people, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or just like uh, tensions. And then I've always been obsessed with kind of like how like 
fear and all that kind of played back into anger and then back into everything else. And it's kind of what we were talking about before, just seeing people get kind of like whipped up and angry. I don't know. And it's crazy because this is also before like a lot of like the current political stuff. Do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, it was like right before. Yeah. 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 So this wasn't like, and there wasn't like a lot going on like this. Do you know what I mean? Like this mm-hmm. is more just from like watching other things at the time, you know? I don't know. It's just so crazy to me. That's, and I mean, it's all, it's funny because it all just ties into that, all the Zay release around there, just like the Pyrrhic victory ideas and all that. The song is very just observational from like bits and pieces of a lot of different things and yeah. then just placed together. That's what I like about your lyrics, though, because I'm very much the kind of person that I care about what the original intent was, you know, behind, behind lyrics and 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 songs. But for me, a lot of the enhancement is sort of drawing drawing my own conclusions. And so I like that a lot of a lot of the songs on this record are open ended in that way. You know, where it's like whatever, you know, if you if you pull value from a thought or an idea or something that that's valid. You know, it's always been inclusionary like that. And I've always tried to keep it purposely a little cryptic. I, I always liked stuff like that myself. And I guess a lot of it is just kind of like, like songs like Virus are written in like bits and pieces. You know, you see something one day or something and it strikes you and you write a little bit and then another day and then another day. And then you eventually have this kind of like collective of like similar things that are you know what I mean? Whatever. And then they all work together, but they're not all from like the same source. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and initially when I started talking about like evangelical stuff, that was kind of like get the ball rolling. It's not obviously just that. It's just kind of like going in, watching things affect people, seeing something, and then like people talking about it the next day. I don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? With disgust or just like yeah. little, sim- a lot of little simple things that just kind of like pile up. And I just, you know, you notice, I don't know, or like, over here talking but and then i started thinking you know it's like a lot of people trying to feel like they're helping but they're not you know what i mean and kind of like they're personally not any place to be helping people right you know what i mean and i think that's a big thing you know i like the i always like the quote you know the best thing you can do for me is work on yourself and the best thing i can do for you is work on myself you know what i mean and i feel like that's why i don't speak a lot i don't i haven't like you know, personally come to a place where I feel like, you know, I've conquered this mountain and I'm ready to like help people up it. Yeah. Kind of like, I mean, I'm still down in it, you know, and I'm very well aware of that. And, you know, I'm a, and I'm not life coach material yet. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's funny because like, so that's the, that's the way I took it originally, you know, it was like, Oh yeah. But it was always, I, I always had this sort of separate, like the religious nut jobs are that way. And I'm not that way or the political nut jobs are that way, but I'm not that like, I always kept this like layer of separation between, you know, what I saw other people doing and what I was doing. And it wasn't until I had kids and I revisited this, you know, like talk about not being life coach material. Like (laughs) when you have kids, it's like a whole different thing. And like, you feel you feel like it's your responsibility to impart knowledge, you know? And so it was interesting how my, my perspective on this song sort of shifted whenever I became a parent, because it was, I only had, I mean, I had one kid when this album came out and she was still, you know, like a baby. So there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a whole lot she could do wrong. There wasn't a whole lot I could do wrong. Uh, But what, what I was interesting about it is I was like, 
listening to this song earlier this week and i was like oh my god like i i am kind of like you know because now that that same daughter she's nine you know and so whenever she doesn't listen to me i have to like stop myself from becoming angry you know or becoming unnecessarily agitated about things you know and i was like oh no am i so blinded by being right or do i care about imparting this knowledge that i think is important and so it was it was one of those like really relatable moments where it was like i'm not any different than the people that are, you know, that, that may have inspired the ideas in this song. You know what I mean? Like that, that yeah. it is, it, all of us are, are guilty of those sort of things. And, you know, I think, I think the word virus is really kind of my favorite thing about it because it, a virus has kind of like one sort of end point, right? Like it just sort of will continue to replicate itself. <laughs> you know forever until it's either stopped or at the end of time but like we don't want it to stop because the only way that would the only way that behavior would stop is if you know all intelligent life you know on the planet was gone and so like i i that was sort of my takeaway from that song from kind of both sides of it and i like that open-ended nature of it that you can sort of you can see other people but then you can sort of turn that observation onto yourself too and, and I even get torn sometimes about talking what stuff's about, you know? It's like part of me yeah. is tempted for one record to be like, just for this record, I'm not going to like talk about, you know, like this is fully like full interpretation only, you know what I mean? Type of like, yeah. uh, but I'm not saying that's like a whatever, but there's a few people I like that do that, that just kind of, you know, there's these like just enigmas around certain songs where they won't really, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. speak about what they're about. And I kind of like that. And, you know, it's uh, I just could never write really straightforward. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's just not my style. You know what I mean? I'm going to jump into the last one, which is I Leave You in Peace. This one is interesting because I had a um, I had a really long friendship with somebody, you know, a person that I that I did everything with. So the first time I heard this song, I, I was very much like, yeah, okay, I get what you're doing here. As far as like making a clean break from something, but not like a angry break from something. And I had been in this friendship for such a long time that. You know, some friendships you get two people can become so familiar with each other that they almost become toxic to each other, you know, because over time, the the boundaries that normal people would have kind of fade away. You know, I ended up eventually having to, to walk away from that friendship. And this song was kind of my soundtrack to that, you know, because it was it's one of those things where it's very bittersweet to have to end something that you've been a part of for a very long time. You know, but also to have like a clear enough mind to say this is an unnecessary thing and I don't have any ill will, you know. So at the very end where it says, you know, I wish them peace respectfully, that was like so that was very instrumental to me to be able to kind of view that situation in a way that was healthy and thought out and not just some kind of I'm mad about X thing, so I'm going <laughs> to you know make a big scene about it yeah i mean that song that was probably the hardest one to work on because it's like a like a condensed timeline 
Do you know what I mean? From like yeah. beginning to the end. And then I tried to hit some like in a once again, like archaic way, some highlights. But I mean, I felt like it's something like I felt like, hey, it could it should just be addressed in some certain way. And I didn't want to. It's very hard. I was just very worried how it would come across. And I wasn't necessarily worried about this or that. It's just like, hey, it's kind of like I feel like it, it was respectful. I, I was trying to say like, hey kind of like the older whatever type of fans you know what i mean like yeah. i'm not i'm gonna be honest first off i think if i feel like if zayo's done one thing the whole time we've always been like honest about where we're at what we're doing we never said you know we were when we weren't or vice versa and uh you know i at the same time understand you know like where we came from and and, and what it took and like the support of all these people. So it's kind of like, Hey, I want to be honest, but I also am like, you know, we still appreciate, you know, you guys and don't want to ostracize you per se. You know what I mean? And I'm yeah. also not coming out of it as some like angry thing. It was like a very long, you know, weird process. I mean, really that song, a lot of it came to me the first time I just had a, I felt like a, the first time after going through a lot of that, where I felt like a really like a piece about it, you know? And that's yeah. like the whole idea came from. And then, you know, I was trying to make it and, and like give the kind of journey, but also not be too whatever. And but that that was a hard one because it was it's it's kind of like a hey, being honest about where I'm at. I'm also saying like thank you. Also saying like you know, not going to turn it into some like 180 degree thing. You know, right. it's not like the Newsio records are, you know, like uh, and I've always tried to do this thing where I never like forced myself to do anything in the sense of like either to keep up with what. I think I should be doing or do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just kind of odd because I don't regret anything. And I, I do deeply understand. I see there's, you know, an insane amount of things I've learned, you know, and experiences I've had and places I've been. I feel like that's was the route I was, you know, supposed to go to get to where I, you know what I mean? Yeah. That was, like I said, just from like a standpoint of making a cohesive uh, song about that and, I mean, it's stressful enough, I feel like, for an individual to, you know, go through something like that just naturally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some sort of, like, faith, whatever, but then to have all these other odd kind of attachments to deal with. You know what I mean? In the sense of, like, whatever, and even the pressure of that. And yeah. that's why, like, kind of, like, quickly and vaguely, I've kind of, like, go through and break it down. But that was a... That was one of the longer ones. Like my goal was just to kind of like tell my story from the beginning and then hit the point and then, you know, the arc, if you will, ARC, and then go down and then just kind of like ending it in a kind of like a thank you to everybody, you know? And yeah. What I liked about this song was, well, number one, as an old school Zayo fan, all of the references, you know, to other, yeah. other, you know, Zayo yeah. albums or songs, you know, my senses flood with fire and blood, you know, and like just yeah. kind of throwing those things in there is the kind of stuff that I like when I'm going through, when I buy a record, I will sit down and, and listen to it with it, you know, with the lyrics open, you know, and just, and just go through the whole thing and, and get so I remember finding that and and really 
loving it because especially considering the the content of the song itself it's very you know i remember i let my wife read it one time and she was like that is the nicest dear john letter i've ever read in my life you know and um (laughs) but i think to get to kind of the theme of it i think it's interesting that there is always kind of that fear of like people taking you the wrong way or taking you you know out of context and and what i loved about this song was that it was done in such a respectful and honest way that like i'm almost like it's funny because i've been doing like i've been doing these podcasts for like five years and the biggest question i get asked by people all the time uh which i'm sure you can relate to is yo are you are you a christian or are you not you know, and I actually, I, I usually never answer. I'm always like very, um, I give very vague, <laughs> you know, no. uh, things because I think I have this, this kind of innate fear that like, I feel like people are only asking me that because they're, they're trying to decide whether they want to write me off, you know, or if they want to stick with me. And this song is like such a better articulation of, of that idea where it's like, it's like, I'm not doing anything to you i'm not upset with you this is just something that that i've gone through this journey i've had these experiences and i've decided that this specific thing is not for me and i just i love that yeah and then it's kind of like you know i i'm aware of the kind of past and what have you but at the same time it's like and then it's kind of you know i give my few little you know what i mean little story but you know which is kind of a little cryptic as always but and that was a long time coming. I mean, what a long, weird process for me personally, you know. And it was funny because, you know, it was the opposite. I, you know, what I didn't get, I was like doing kind of better at the time. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. wasn't like I was descending into, you know, like going the alternate route, like, hey, I'm writing this and, you know, and then just like being in some like mess of a situation. A lot like weirdly enough and not to be whatever, it was like, it was coming with some like clarity of actually getting you know what i mean like better i guess so it's kind of the opposite of what have you you know it's like taking that time to really take inventory of where you actually are and where you act how you actually feel because you're not distracted by all these other things yeah and i wasn't like angry you know it wasn't written in an angry point of view it was you know what i mean i'd taken a lot of time and it wasn't like there was an incident it was like you know some kind of like uh you know weird reaction to an incident like you know it was a whatever and i i remember the music was really long and i was like well, i'm gonna take the opportunity to and i feel like too i asked them uh like when it all started it kind of like gave me the vibes of like an outro song you know what i mean yeah. so i remember talking like okay if this is gonna be at the end what a good opportunity to take this because like once again i had splintered kind of like lyrical ideas and stuff and gave me some time to you know just get make it more cohesive i guess you know what i mean yeah i always i always feel like the best interviews i do is if we would do these old school it'd be like sit down for like six hours you know yeah. what i mean like bar walters and i get like an hour of content out of it you know right like, yeah you know i just ramble like if i ramble about something for an hour it probably makes sense in like yeah. a five minute clip <laughs> absolutely yeah i i prefer the rambling there's a certain humanity to it 
you know, that I think that I think certain things are when you chop everything up and I do it all the time. Like I I've chopped up interviews and episodes to the point where I listened to them back and I was like, this doesn't even sound like two human beings talking to each other, <laughs> you know, like, and that, I think that's what people really enjoy about podcasts is, is the air and the, the room, you know, even, even though we're in two different rooms, you know, in two different States, but I like that about it. Um, I like, I like legitimacy. And I, I think that, this record if i'm if i'm gonna bring any type of like in conclusion statement is is legitimacy i think when i heard it coming off of what i had sort of just experienced you know obviously you know we're different people we're living different lives in different parts of you know different parts of the country and all that and so it's interesting how you know you you went through this sort of transition from just surviving to kind of getting to a better place mentally and emotionally and so you know you end up pouring those those ideas and maybe those mindsets into this record and then i'm going through a whole bunch of horrible shit and then i hear this thing that you made you know what i mean and it's like okay so what you know what where where do i need to go to get that type of clarity or you know what things is this going to inspire me to sort of think about and and evaluate and assess and um and i think that's just that is the beautiful thing about music is how people are able to speak to each other without speaking to each other you know what i mean and so yeah i mean this record is obviously something that um that i still go back to you know all the time just because it was it just came out at such a pivotal moment of my life and it's so weird because like i've been listening to zeo since i was you know in, in like early high school you know what i mean i got into it in the youth group situation that i think a lot of kids got into it you know at that time and so a lot of a lot of people are just like oh yeah you know my favorite zeo record is something from 2002 or you know something like that and so it's like you know 15 years into being a fan it's like no this album that came out after 15 years that's the one that like <laughs> really resonated with me and and you know ma made me feel differently or, or encouraged me to sort of feel differently about the world and and that sort of thing and i think i think it was really cool how it's open-ended enough for me to draw my own conclusions about it you know yep and i i mean i struggle with that but that's why i like I've always been, like I said, a fan of cryptic writing too, but it's awesome when you can like hear something and inject it into your personal whatever. And it, I don't know, just like it gives you strength or just like connecting, you know, like there's something about that, you know, feels like, you know, especially when it's a band you like, like, cause I do it all the time, you know, personally, I, I don't know. I love music too. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, uh, got me through a lot of the darkest periods of my life honestly you know what i mean kind of a foundation of you know so i appreciate it it's like stuff like that where it's like you know um so i still enjoy doing it i guess you know what i mean the simple yeah, things sure. you know what i mean just creating kind of modern zeo yeah just kind of like how everything works i guess yeah it's a totally different vibe now you know, like in a good way, you know, like in a, not that I hated the old vibe, you know what I mean? There's a reason you become a fan of a band in a in the first place, yeah. but it's also kind of like, I think to a certain degree it is an age thing, you know, where mm -hmm. when, when you're writing songs, when you're in your late teens, people in their late teens are going to resonate with those songs. And so like, 
but if you're, you know, older than that, if you're, you're in your mid to late thirties writing something, people that are in their mid to late thirties are going to be all like, huh, I think it's really cool how music is able to connect with people that are totally different. And in the modern age, how it can sort of can connect people in a way that it really almost never has before, you know what I mean? With like the, the worldwide nature of it it's weird for me like looking at my podcast stats and seeing people in other countries listening to it <laughs> you know because it's like man yeah. how do people in other countries even relate to the stuff that i to the stuff that i'm talking about but but they do and i think the reason is is because it's about it's about music and that's the thing that 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 we all kind of relate to and that as cheesy as this sounds it's almost like a, another language yeah i agree and then people can also watch us and see Someone that has like a zero, the ability to make incoherent talking ever be like, but you can still sing in a band if you want, you know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's like, can't talk, you don't have to, you know. And right. It's honestly why I don't talk at shows. I just feel like, uh, I mean, anxiety plays it into a lot of that kind of just like turns my brain off sometimes, you know what I mean? Like the natural flow of my thought and so on and so forth or whatever, but. I mean, the difference between now and 10 years ago is like, I used to always be like, you know, I don't want to whatever. So I'll like have, you know, drink up some and you know what I mean? Yeah. Not too much because I don't want to be like slurring or like getting, you know, whatever. But also like it helps me to open a bit, but I don't drink, you know, like, I don't know when I do these or like play or anything anymore. You know what I mean? For sure. Uh, so I'd rather be like, Hey man, I, kind of did it without a crutch you know and maybe it could have been this or that but like still choosing to kind of like you know not fall back on you know what i mean yeah um, feels good to prove yourself wrong sometimes Thank you guys so much for listening to this season two finale of DFT's Dungeon. And this is the part of the episode where I'm going to ramble on for a little bit and thank a whole bunch of people who made this podcast and this season possible. First and foremost, I want to thank Daniel Wyant of Zayo for sitting down and talking over these songs with me and for being so generous with his time. I also want to thank Scott Mellinger of Zayo for helping me set up this episode and just for so many quality riffs and i want to thank brian Patton of as the story grows podcast for all of the advice the encouragement and the friendship and i want to thank buddy reno for so much encouragement and for always being there to talk things out with me i want to thank matt Nas of the roach coach podcast and gabra media for being so supportive and for giving me a platform to do this show on Josiah Heiberg and Kyle Stratton for sitting up and listening to me rant about all kinds of random shit like really, really late at night on Discord. Thank you guys for that. Jeremy Prince and David Van Zant for being some of the best friends that I've never actually met in real life. And um, we, we need to change that at some point. I, I have a car that runs now. I, I, I could probably like, you know, do something. I want to thank Lance, the king of metal, Alligood, for so much encouragement and for being a great friend. And I promise you, 
the next time I go to Orlando and we go to a video game bar, we will actually play games. Scout's honor. I was, I was never in the Scouts. And I want to thank my brother, Roger Terry, for always believing in me and encouraging me to be my best self. I also want to thank all of the guests that I've had on this season that I haven't mentioned already, and they include Brandon Kellum, Joshua Ashworth, John Beatty, Joshua King, and David Bunton. Thank you guys so much for taking this journey with me. And I also want to shout out everybody who participated in my Patreon this year, including Alexander, Lost Fiction, The Strat Cat, The Spy Hunter, Brian the Dean, Kyle Driver, Novus, and Lance Alligood. Hey, you made the list twice, buddy. And thank you to everybody that's on the Discord server. You guys are really my second family at this point, and I appreciate every one of you. And lastly, I want to thank the one person who makes all of this possible, and that is my wife, Melanie Terry. Thank you so much for believing in what I'm doing and encouraging me every step of the way. And guys, that about wraps it up for this season. I'll get some business out of the way here at the end, though. Every episode of DFT's Dungeon was written, recorded, and engineered by me in my dungeon studio. If this is your first episode of the podcast, first of all, thank you so much for listening this far into it. And if you enjoyed it, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the 40 other episodes of this podcast and maybe even subscribe so you don't miss out when the podcast starts up again in August. You guys can follow me on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. I've got links to those pages in the show notes of this episode. And you can always feel free to send me an email at dftdungeon at gmail.com. And even though this is over, and I know some of you guys are bummed out, I will still be very active on the Discord server. So if you want to share some memes, talk about music, talk about life, or just hang out, there's a link in the show notes that'll take you to Discord. And I hope to see you guys on there. But if I don't, that's okay too. I appreciate you. And I will see you again right here in August 2023 for Season 3.